Well, uh, blessed people, what a wonderful day the Lord has created. And uh, again, coming to you into your workplaces, at your workspace with the word, with this tremendous message of Jesus to follow you and shepherd you even at your workplaces. Some of you are lawyers. You've just probably come from morning conversations. Some are doctors. Maybe you're taking a little break. Uh, from your patients, you're stepping out a bit, or just in your office there, reviewing files or nurses or teachers and the staff from mechanics, you know, border border riders. Maybe you're a taxi driver, you're in your car, just contemplating the afternoon, waiting for your clients, or you're in the supermarket or in the restaurant. I want to welcome you to today's lunchtime bread. And today I want to talk about the dangers of apostasy in the present-day Christianity, the present-day salvation, the dangers of apostasy. If you read the Bible in the book of John, John chapter 20, verse 31, and then Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 4 right now to bring you this lunchtime bread. What a great privilege to come to you even at your workplace. Maybe you're sitting somewhere having your French fries and uh, relaxing, waiting for afternoon session. Or maybe you're just a student or somebody uh, that has graduated waiting for an interview in the afternoon. But uh, this is the right time uh, to be able to talk about our Lord Jesus and how even in your working arrangement, your workplaces, your working time, Till the Lord Jesus can set in and help you and lead you. The book of Hebrews chapter 2, I'm beginning with verses 1 and 3, says, We must pay attention the most careful. Again, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received his just punishment. Verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 3 says, How shall we escape if we ignore a salvation so great? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles. By signs, wonders, and various miracles. And so, this is a very powerful trend. And so, blessed people, he says, God also testified to this salvation by signs, wonders, and various miracles. God himself testifying over the salvation of Christ Jesus. And today, so now... uh, Today, if you look at the way the Christians live their lives, you realize there is a problem. Because in the same book of Hebrews, if you look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, that is the church, that is the Christian believer, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, that is the Christian believer, that is the church, those who have shared in the Holy Spirit, That is a church that has even received the Holy Spirit. Those who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, 
and the powers of the coming age. That is the church of Christ. That is the Christian believer. And, though, and then it says it is impossible if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace, meaning humiliating Jesus, ashaming Jesus. After you've received the salvation of the grace, now you are ashaming Jesus again. You have gone back to wallowing in mud. And that's why it's very, very important at this time when we are waiting for the coming of the Messiah in the rapture of the church that the Lord has already shown me and spoken with me about. I've seen the Lord take the church, a holy church, a glorious church. However, it's important to raise this question now to the entire earth that everybody may understand that the Christian walk is a serious responsibility. He's talking here about apostasy. This is a serious warning about apostasy in the church. And that's why it's saying they, they subject Jesus to shame now. Now they subject him to public disgrace because to their loss it's that although they are crucifying Jesus again. When you are born again as a Christian and you go back to wallowing in mud, you go back to sin, he says, then you are subjecting Jesus to shame because those who are not born again are now wondering what is the advantage after all of being born again. If you look at the same Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31, he raises the same caution. And he says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You see that? The key word there is deliberately. Today, when you look at the present-day Christians, they are involved in deliberate sin. They know this is sin, they will go ahead and do it. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've, we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, and who has treated as unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge. We know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So these are serious cautions in the Bible here that are written to warn you. They are written to caution you that when you become a Christian, it's a serious responsibility because it's as though God were making his pleadings to this generation through your life. It's as though God was reaching out to this perishing generation through the execution of your conduct, your life, your Christianity. And that is what he's talked about here and warning of the current apostasy. Today you see that there are Christians who are in perpetual sin. They're involved in the so-called white lies. They're lying. They're involved in corruption. They're dressed immorally. They have no conscience on the, the treasure of the salvation that Jesus brought. So they're dressed the way they want. They talk anything they want without knowing that every idol word will be judged. 
Today, if you look at the present-day Christians, the way they execute their life, you find that they are living a secular life within the church. And that is what the Lord Jesus cautions about here. And he says that these people is warning about, if they don't repent, then the Lord will reject them. If you read the book of Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. Romans 1, 18, he says the following. If you can turn with me, the book of Romans chapter 1, 18, he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people, those who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal attributes and power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. It says when you look at creation, you can see the enormity of God. You can see how tremendous Jehovah is, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and foolish hearts were darkened. And then when you look at verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, to the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things other than the Creator. They went into homosexuality. Verse 26 again. Because of this, God gave them over uh, to sexual... They they exchanged their natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. If you look at the whole world today, homosexuality is legalized. Homosexuality has been legalized in many nations. Verse 28, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to remain and retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over. So the Lord is saying that the time comes when he gives over, he gives you up if you don't repent. Why is the Lord speaking like this to the church, warning the nations, the generation? He's saying that he's warning about apostasy and the dangers of apostasy. He's warning that there are people in church. That scripture we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, and Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31, is literally saying that there are people in church who never truly belong to Christ. They are there, but they are executing a secular lifestyle in the church. And he's saying that the Spirit of God never actually took up residence in their hearts. That is the way, that's why they can live in perpetual sin despite confessing that they are born again. And he's saying that the same evil spirits that that bedevil, those who are not born again out, continue to bedevil them. That's why they are powerless. Why? Because their outward conformity is without the price of the cross. When the way they the way they dress, the way they look, the way they talk, you can see that they have not taken up this treasure of the cross of Jesus that crucified all the sin and the flesh of man. They are without the Holy Spirit. They undergo mere moral reformation. And the Lord is saying that a mere moral change does not mean the newness of life that is supposed to be enjoyed within the Christian salvation. They still lust at women. 
And the Lord is calling for fasting here. That when you fast, when you turn away from food for some time and drink and do a dry fast, then you are able to cut off the flesh. They are powerless. They are spiritless. They undergo moral reformation. They reject accountability. The present day church, when you look at her, she has rejected accountability. They have, in the church, they have hewn unto themselves another gospel, the gospel of prosperity. They have rejected the gospel of the cross and the blood of Jesus, which should have been the power, the power to Christian salvation, for them to overcome the, the, the schemes and the snares of the devil in this life. Today, the Christian does not want accountability. He does not want to be accountable for his sins. He wants to live a free life as though God has allowed him to do everything and anything under the sun. They reject the cross of Jesus. They reject the blood of Jesus. They give up. Uh, they, they give up, which is the treasure, the treasure of Christianity. Uh, and so the Lord Almighty is urging the present-day church to remember that there is regeneration. There is a regeneration that ought to take place in your life if you are born again. There is a newness of life you are supposed to be enjoying. And if you look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, then you see what the Lord is calling the church to live life. The treasure of those who are going to the kingdom of God, their true identity. And he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many people would love to be poor today? The word poor does not even feature in the vocabulary. It looks like a curse word to them in this generation. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Mourning over the sinful nature of this earth, the sinfulness of man. But how many people love to use the word mourn, mourning? How many people love to mourn today? Not at all. Eh? And then he says, blessed are the meek because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are the exact things that the world today does not embrace. Uh, so it's exactly the opposite. And the Lord is saying that if you will return to my house, if you return to my house, return to worshiping me, I will restore you. Because the present-day Christian, they live and stay as though there is no accountability. But God will judge sin. On the final day of judgment, God will judge sin. The Lord takes it very seriously that the church, one may be born again, and then they go and wallow in sin. The judgment of God is well established in the Word, in the Bible. For example, when Adam and Eve fell, God judged sin. If you read from the book of Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, you see that he judged sin and brought even death. And he said, now by the sweat of thy brow, you shall eat your food. He judged sin, disobedience, and rebellion. If you look at the days of Noah, in the book of Genesis chapter 6 down to chapter 7 on, the Lord judged that generation. So the Lord's judgment against sin is well established in the Bible, such that nobody can have any excuse to continue in apostasy today, especially now that the Messiah is preparing to come for a glorious church. And if you look at the generation of the Tower of Babylon, the book of Genesis chapter 11, again the Lord judged sin. If you look at Egypt in, in the time of Pharaoh, 
in the book of Exodus, again the Lord judged sin. If you look at when Jesus came and went to the cross, again God judged sin in the book of Isaiah 53. And look at the tribulation that is coming. When there will be gross rebellion, there will be grand apostasy of worshiping the Antichrist. Again, the events of Revelation chapter 6, they are test to God judging sin. And how about the great judgment seat of Christ in heaven? And then the great white throne judgment that is coming where every nation, every rebellious human being will be gathered before God. You see that again, God Almighty comes out very clearly that he judges sin. The book of Matthew, chapter 25, if you read verse 41, you say, Then you say to those on his left, Depart from me, you are cast. You who are cast into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And if you look at verse 46 of the same Matthew 25, at that great white throne judgment, then he will say, they will go away, rather, then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the judgment of God against sin is all over the Bible. It is well established in the Word, well established in the Bible. So there is really no excuse for the Christians today to walk around in the marketplace naked, wearing short skirts, opening their chests, talking foul words, foul language, living secular life, making coarse jobs, not being faithful to Jesus because they are at workplace. And then on Sunday, pretending that they are born again wearing long dresses. Uh, it is a very, very sickening situation in the church that the church of Christ has gone into this gross unfaithfulness to Christ who died for their sins. And yet, like I've said, the Bible spells out very clearly that God judges sin and he will judge sin. He judged sin at the time of Adam and Eve when they fell. That's why we have death. He judged sin in the days of Noah when they refused to repent and became rebellious. And he cleaned up the whole earth because he judges sin. He judged sin during the time of the Tower of Babel. He judged sin in Egypt. He judged sin on the cross when Jesus went to the cross, Isaiah 53. He will judge sin in the Great Tribulation, Revelation chapter 6. He will judge sin also in the book of Revelation 20. 11 and 15, are the great white throne judgment. And that's why I want to caution you out there as a Christian and I encourage you to embrace a holy Christian lifestyle. Whether you are in the workplace, whether you are a lawyer and the other lawyers are not faithful to the Lord or they are not born again, that does not matter. You will stand alone before the Lord. Whether you are a doctor and in the hospital there is a culture of immorality, it does not matter. What matters how do you execute your life? Because it's as though God is making his pleading, he's advancing his case, the case for salvation, using your life. So this is the time when you ought to repent and be righteous and make amends in your Christian lifestyle. I want to leave it here with the lunchtime bread today that uh, you may continue the lunch hour, the lunch hour session. But those who want to receive the Lord at this hour, repeat after me. Say, mighty Lord Jesus, I've realized that the standard of salvation is a high standard set by God. It is set by God as a high standard because God Almighty is pleading his case to this generation through our lives, we who are Christians. And today I receive you, my Lord Jesus, 
as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to establish righteousness and holiness in my heart and change my way and cause me to be holy in my workplace, to be holy wherever I go, to worship you with my life, to offer my life as a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to you. And I ask you to navigate me in this immoral world. Preserve me, Lord, that I may see the glorious eternal kingdom of God. I have learned at this lunch hour session that you judge sin and that you will judge sin. You judge sin during the time of Adam and Eve. You judge sin during the time of Noah. You judge sin before. You will judge sin again. And for that matter, I repent from all sin and receive you as my Lord and Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, today I am born again. Thank you. That has been your lunch and bread. The Lord bless you. Indeed. Shalom.